Welcome to the Secret Sauce Podcast. This is a show about relationships with staff, with students, with yourself, with building culture in your classroom, your school, your district, and becoming personally developed so that you can be professionally developed. Be sure and follow our podcast so you don't miss a show. And we're booking now for the 23-24 school year um, for any type of PD that you need, keynotes, seminars, workshops, just get in touch with me. I would love to come to your to your school, your district, and share the secret sauce with you. So let's jump right into the next episode. Here we go. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode number 37 of The Secret Sauce with Kip Schubert. I've got a really special guest with us this evening. Um, he is a superintendent and a high school principal at Prairie City School District in Prairie City, Oregon. Um, he They're the home of the Panthers, and so... That's uh, where I am. I'm in Woodland Park, Colorado, and we're the Panthers, too, so that's that's cool. Um, but he was a sixth-grade math teacher before he made the leap of faith into administration. And so I want to welcome today uh, Superintendent High School Principal Casey Hallgarth. Honored to be here, Kip. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So, you know, this story is – or this podcast is all about our stories and and, and how they matter. and and those, that secret sauce, you know, that we use as educators to develop relationships and move the needle with staff and students. But first off, tell our listeners how Casey got into education, how you became an educator. Well, a little bit of backstory. Um, I coached, I coached high school varsity boys basketball for about 10 years, got into that, really didn't know how to coach. Um, so a lot of learning went on with that. Um, they're at Elgin, Oregon, um, and I developed a passion. I love kids. I love teaching, um, and so that kind of got me sparked. At the time, I was doing uh, – I did heating and air conditioning, running jobs for about 10 years before I got – when I was coaching, um, and then it came the time my kids were getting at the age where they're playing soccer, Kip, they're, you know, they're little four, five, six years old, and they're loving it, and I'm not at home because I'm out of town working. So, you know, we all have to make decisions. And so we made a, we made a really, really big decision, said, hey, I'm going to go back and finish my degree to get my teaching degree. And so I did that. I think I was 30, 35, 36 years old when I did it. So um, you're never too young or too old to find your passion. And, uh, you know, and then I went after it. I ended up getting my uh, – my de- I graduated from uh, Eastern Oregon University 2014. Got my first teaching job eight years ago at Humboldt Elementary here in here in Grant County, uh, John Day, Oregon. I taught for four years, and um, through some of the experiences we might talk about later, um, you know, I've always I've come to be the person that. Uh, when a door opens and I try to teach my kids this too, you know, don't be afraid to walk through the threshold. What's the, and you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen, you know, and, and, and we've heard it, you know, especially now on TikTok and, and Instagram, you know, you have all these, you just, you got to do it basically. And so anyways, the position at Prairie opened up, um, and I just thought, I told my principal at, at the elementary school I was teaching at, teaching sixth grade, I said, hey, I'm going to put in for this position. 
I'm just doing it for the experience. I just got into my leadership classes. I think I had one under my belt. Um, went through the process. Uh, I thought I bagged it. You know, I was just honest. There's a lot, there's some questions I couldn't answer because I've never been in the leadership roles. Granted, and also I only taught for four years at that time. Yeah. So, so I'm like, yeah, this is a good experience. Two, uh, about a week later, not two weeks, about a, a week later, I get a, I get a phone call. My wife and I are coming back from Boise, Idaho. And it's, it's the board chair asked, start asking me a bunch of questions. So my wife's whispering on the phone, Hey, is this a second interview? And so I got her on speakerphone. I'm standing outside of Ryan J truck stop. And I say, Hey, is this a second interview? She says, yeah, yeah, this is. And I'm like, right when I said, Oh, wow, that's great. Over the intercom of the Ryan J uh, goes, uh, shower number 23 is available. And I'm like, oh my God. so, uh, long story short, if you believe in, you know, stars aligning and all this other, you know, all that stuff, which I do, um, I got the call March 28th. Um, we'll talk a little bit. My grandparents raised me. My grandma passed away about eight years ago, got the job on her birthday. They offered me the job. And so, awesome. um, yeah, man, it was just, and I had no clue how to do this job. And so instantly I'm reaching out to my old football coach that, you know, from 20 years ago uh, was a principal, right? I'm calling him and I'm calling, I mean, I'm calling everybody I know to ask like, you know, where do I start on this, on this journey? And so that's kind of the gist of how I got it going. You know, a lot of sacrifice going back, not having a, I had to work three part, you know, we all have our story, work a three part time right. job. My wife, she's working hard and I got two kids and we had to make the sacrifice, you know, unless you're uncomfortable and willing to do the uncomfortable. Absolutely. Most of the time is going to happen. So, yeah, that's, um, you know, it's really, it's not common, especially in education anyways, for people to rise that fast through the ranks, especially yeah. with four years of teaching and no experience and you jump right into that, that big role. I mean, that's, that's a great story in itself. And I'm sure that you know, we, we were talking earlier this week about the fire hose. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that that first year was a fire hose. One thing I want to touch on though, that you mentioned, and, and you shared this with me um, earlier in your bio was about the, the and I wrote this quote down, our time on earth is short, so why let an opportunity uh, pass us by? And, and we need not look at, at uh, the worst that can happen, but what's the best things that can happen? And you kind of touched on that. You share that with your kids, and this was an opportunity for you. Can you elaborate any more? I mean, is, this kind of, is that kind of where that comes from, those quotes that you, you talked to me about? Yeah, so, so when, I, when I say that, I mean, I, I mean I'm – Whenever I make a decision, and it could be my a family decision, when when my wife and I and our kids are making a decision to, hey, do I accept the job in John Day, Oregon, um, and then uproot our family and go somewhere else where my kids have, you know, my kids, when we got here, my youngest was a sixth grader, my oldest was a freshman going into their fresh, you know, freshman year, and so those are decisions, and so you know the way we, the way I've always dealt with things is, you know, and I. That's how I make decisions at our school too. What's the worst case? We know what could happen. What's the worst thing that could happen? What's the best thing that can happen? And we're going to try our darnest to make the best thing happen, you know? And 
Um, my grandparents, old school, I mean, they're the ones that raised me. Um, and that's kind of where I get that. I mean, I get that attitude. I mean, if you're not going to, if you're not going to try your hardest and try, cause you're not always, it's not always going to work out. That's the thing, you know, and you know, my son going to college, you know, 14 hours away and wants to come, you know, wants to move back Christmas break. I'm like, that's not happening. Like <laughs> what, what's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to go back and you, you know, and you're going to finish out the year, then we'll reevaluate. But you know, you can't, you can't, if you're looking through that lens, like, oh man, this is going to, this, this probably is going to work out for me. And this, you know, we try to convince our kids and we were just talking about, you know, like being in this profession for the right reason. This is, yeah, this is yeah. one of those things that we can teach this young generation of, you know, it's okay to fail, you know, but you got to try and try your hardest and, and uh, you know, and look through the lens, like it's going to work out you know, yeah. and, and I've always had that attitude. That's, that's, and as educators, we need that. We need to share that with people around us that we work with and that we serve and then, and that are under our leadership and, but especially to our kids too. And, you know, it, it um, as you were sharing that, I mean, you, you shared a few times about being raised by your grandparents um, mm -hmm. and those quotes and that, that resonates with me because I say it a little bit different. I just say, see the good. You know, let's look at what they're doing right, not what they're doing wrong. Um, and uh, I got that from our good friend, Darren Peppard. Um, but it's just and being uncomfortable is where we grow. But I don't, I don't know if you're if um, being raised by your grandparents is, is part of your struggle. But share a little bit about um, your story, your struggle and how that has made you who you are today and the strengths that you have. and and how that's empowered you as a, a high school principal and superintendent. You bet. So, um, so what, you know, love, I, my mom raised me for the first, you know, 10 years of my life, 11 years of my life. Uh, my mom wasn't the perfect person, still isn't. Um, so she got into the drug, drug scene and uh, we moved around a lot, you know, in the stable, the, you know, the stake in the ground, the, the the most stable people I knew were my grandparents. So when we got to go stay with them during the summer times, and usually it was the whole summer, you know, and yeah, and um, so and we'd have a great time, right? And we didn't want to, and I didn't want to go back. And my brother and I, you know, we both we want to stay out of grandma's, right? So we get back in now, we probably move, you know, from first grade to seventh grade. I mean, we'd move three or four times a year, usually. Yeah. And sometimes we'd end up in the same town as my grandparents. So we got into that and it was hard making friends and, um, you know, and making connections with adults, you know, because when you got a little, when I got a little bit older, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, it's kind of like people know what's going on. Right. right. And, and I think um, as me being that kid, I think some of the adults that, um, that I admired, and I have two guys that, um, when I was at union union school district, they're in union County here in Oregon, um, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Heron and Mr. Molbash. So social studies teacher, uh, PE teacher, um, those guys knew exactly what was going on and the stuff that was happening at my house and the parties and the guys and all this other stuff. Right. And, um, 
they're the ones that got me. I mean, you were talking, you know, big fish, little pond. That's yeah. exactly, that's exactly where I fit into. I was really good at sports in the small school, um, station there. And, um, so seventh grade, I'm in union and these guys let me in the, they're not supposed to let me in, but they, they show up early just to let me in. So I have a place to go. And but I just remember one day, man. Um, and this is why I have compassion for these kids that single parents or, you know, parents aren't doing the right things or, you know, um, I have compassion for these kids cause I was this kid, you know, welfare, drugs, all that stuff. And I, and I seen, see my mom arrest. I mean, the list goes on. Right. Um, I just remember one morning, see these kids at school and they have moms and dads. And I'm thinking, man, honestly, I wonder what that would be like to have like a mom and a dad. Right. And get to go on these little trips and vacations and stuff. And I just remember my mom, she was all high and, and passed out and, and, uh, I was ready to go to school. And she would not wake up. And we lived probably, we lived on the other side of town. So it's a good, I would say probably mile, mile and a half. And it wasn't, it wasn't like it was snow. It was raining though. It was cold and it was raining. And I, and I just said, she goes, just stay home today. It's fine. And I said, no, I, I want to go to school. And I just remember, um, I walked to school. I didn't make it to the gym in time, you know, and they could see the look on my face. I wasn't going to, because no kid is going to rat on their parents. Right. I mean, I love my mom and I still to this day, wouldn't, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't rat her out, man. So well, that's another thing that I know what kids, I know they're not going to do when I talk to them in my office. Right. So um, I get home that night and I'm, I'm just upset at my mom. And so I call my grandma and I said, uh, I said, Hey, so my grandma lives about 45 minutes away from where we live right now, where we live in Union. And I said, hey, two things are going to happen. Either you're going to come get me and I'm going to live with you or I'm running away. So my grandma said, you know, she's like, oh, hey, I'll be right there. Yes, you can come live with us. And, I, and you know, and I didn't tell my mom what I was doing. So yeah. my, grandparents, my grandparents show up. I already have my bags. I walk out the door and, and that was, I probably didn't talk to my mom after that for, well, I think it was track season of my senior year. So March, April of my senior year. And I didn't never talk to my mom after that. I mean, from that time. Yeah. And so that point being Kip is, you know, luckily I had someone that was going to come get me, but I, I just remember telling my mom, I'm not, I'm not going to be a loser. And you know, you can categorize that anyway as a, I was, I was a seventh grader at the time, what a loser means to a seventh grader, you know? Um, but I knew at that time I, I wanted to graduate. I was not going to, I wasn't going to graduate if I stayed there. So, um, so when I talk to these kids at my school and I bring them in and, and this kind of stuff happens, um, I give them a little backstory on a little bit of that backstory um, I haven't told my, I haven't told really any of my staff about that story, but I do tell a few kids that need to hear that. Like, Hey, I've been in your shoes yeah. and I know what you're seeing and doing. And, you know, and, and so it helps, it just helps the connection because I remember that connection with Mr. Molbash and Mr. Heron and, um, you know, and I talk, you know, I, I haven't talked to Mr. Molbash for a while, but I, I've talked to Mr. Heron, Wayne Heron is his name. And, and, uh, I talked to him quite a bit, actually. So that's 
I want people to hear this about what you just said is that when you become vulnerable with those kids that are sitting right in front of you, that is what creates that magic that, you know, who knows what they'll do in the future, but look at, you know, look at what you did, you know, and you had Thank those, you. you had, you had Mulbash and, and Heron who mm -hmm. probably earned the right to, to know you and you knew that they saw you and they cared about you and they loved you. And it just, you know, you wanted to be at school. You wanted to, you didn't want to be a loser. And sometimes too, I, I think that we can look at our parents and, and, or those people that are role models in our life. And sometimes they provide in a negative way, a positive influence on us to do something different, to break those cycles. And I mean, I, I just hope people hear that from your story that, the more vulnerable and authentic you are as a as an administrator or as a, a classroom teacher, you're gonna move the needle and connect with people in a way that will get those results that we're so driven to get because you know it's what our jobs hang on, right? Um, I'm so, I'm so kids, glad you kids see through that. Kids see that, you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. and kids, you know, and I like I said, I tell kids, you know. Kids want to learn, you know, you go in their class and if you, if you don't love the kids, they don't feel that they're not going to want to yeah. learn from them. You know what I yeah. mean? I truly believe in that. You know, I'm a passion, I'm a, I'm a passionate coach. I'm a passionate teacher. I'm a passionate superintendent, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, you know, and, and that's why, you know, being a shaker and a mover, you know, getting stuff done. Um, people, people feed off the energy. you know and uh you, know, you try to teach kids you know they go through those rough patches and you know and you know one little thing it's one little minor thing is a major thing to you know a sophomore in high school you know and so you try to teach them how to get through it and hopefully you can relate with them so yeah i just i'm just again i'm just like i when we were talking before you know keep sharing that story and and you know i encourage you to do that with your staff and because it really does make a difference i mean kids don't care and, you know, they don't care what you know until they know what you care, uh, you know. And, and so um, it's just so important, I think, in education today because kids do see right through it. And when I was in the classroom teaching, I mean, the pedagogy stuff was not anywhere near my strength. It was the connection and the relationships piece. And people always ask, you know, how are you getting your kids to, to score the way they are and how you, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? Cause they knew that I wasn't that good at the, the pedagogy stuff. And it's like, because they know I love them and I tell them every single day and they're like, well, that's not part of our job. You know, you're missing the content. I'm like, I'll be like, sweetheart, they get the content. It's they're getting it because they know I care about them. And so we make it relatable and we talk about all kinds of things and, you know, I'm there for them. That's what we are. I mean, to me, if we can do that and, and we can change the trajectory of just one kid's life, and they go on to become this great thing that changes the world. And why not? You know, why not us? Um, before, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's where um, when I was reading your book, Kip, you know, I taught for four years and, you know, I, I, I ran jobs. I, I, I ran teams. I knew how to coach. I knew how to manage kids, manage people and do the connection. And, you know, and it drives my wife nuts. I, she's like, man. I hate going place with you because you just talk to everybody. You can talk to anybody, right? So, yeah. Well, um, but 
the the teaching part is what I was lacking as well, you know, and yeah. and and not that I wanted to, but it's a craft that you it's kind of like bodybuilding. When you lift yeah. weights, you, you're a bodybuilder, you're building layers, man. And so um and that's kind of what, you know, my fourth year, I I thought, "Hey, man, I'm finally starting to get the hang of this. This is this is awesome, you know, and I'm teaching good, the kids are loving it and um and then and I jumped ship and <laughs> went to this job. So yeah, and I think that's important as as you know a, a principal and superintendent too, as far as you being able to relate to your staff. I mean, and there and then them never being. I mean, I hope they, people hear this. You're never too old to learn okay. and to get better and to grow. And I mean, just a few years ago, uh, I had a principal, uh, Yvonne Goings, who, for the first time in 30 years, I actually got an evaluation and she coached me and it was so amazing to I mean to grow in those the the pedagogy stuff that I wasn't good at but to see little things that she would say well, I wonder if and then she would do those things and I'd be like oh yeah and I'd start doing it and so I know it made me a better teacher but I always got those good old boy evaluations you know mm-hmm. a fellow coach was using my evaluator and they just stick their head in give me a thumbs up and you know, then I mean, and that was so cool. And so it's just we're never too old to to get better, and and we're better together. And I hope I hope people go into this year with that kind of a mindset. You know, that they mm-hmm. they can learn new things and they can reach kids and and to be open minded, um, you know, about what we do. I got going back to um, you said you talked to Mister Wayne Heron all the time. Um, I don't know if he listens to podcasts or not, but, but just take a, a few minutes and give him a shout out and tell him exactly what he meant to you back in that junior high, middle school era when you had him. Yeah. So he's a PE teacher, but I, I think I remember him most. Um, well, he's from my hometown, so he I didn't know him, know him, but he knew who my family was and my grandparents were. So I think they're mine a connection there too, but I just remember lifting weights and the first time I ever heard it, I can, I will, I must. And I'm on the bench press. And I think I got like, you know, I don't, I don't even know if I have any weight on just the bar, maybe, I don't know. And so, you know, and he's like, okay, you got to say these words and and then you're going to believe them. And I'm like, okay. And so I put that, those three, you know, I can, I will, I must. And I don't know who coined that phrase, but uh, you know, there's kind of relates to everything, but uh no, he's, he's a good man. Uh, he's retired. Um, I think he won. I think he was in education 30 years, gra- graduated from the place, same place I gradu- graduated from. Um, one of the, you know, and once I got to learn a little bit more about him, he's, you know, play college football. So I want to play college football, uh, you know, and kind of, you know, just kind of follow that suit and, you know, and, uh, he ended up, uh, he was, I was coaching at Elgin. Let's see the my last two years at Elgin. He was the superintendent for till he retired. He, I think he was there for three years. And so, um, but I, like I said, I went graduated and got a different job. But um, no, I still talk to him today. You know, I get little comments from him here and there on Facebook, and um, you know, saying, "Hey, keep up the good work. You're doing great things. You know, you're reaching kids and." You know, those little, you, know, you don't have to have a 
full paragraph or anything, you know, just to say hi. And, and that's one thing, um, you know, that's helped me out too, is, you know, we just, we just met each other through Darren Peppered and, you know, and very grateful for Darren. And I've already learned so much from the group that we're a part of. And yeah. And these, you know, and I started doing affirmations, man. I do, I send out two or three texts every morning to people that I haven't talked to in a very long time. And, and sometimes I get replies back and sometimes I don't, but it's just a, Hey, hope you're doing well. Love you. Have a great day. And, you know, I think it, you know, I don't know if it's cause I'm getting older, but, uh, it's just, it feels good when you send something out, even if you don't get a reply back and, and when you do, and then, then all of a sudden, hey, I haven't talked to this guy in 10 years. And now we're talking again and kind of reconnecting. So it feels good. Yeah. And that makes me think of, you know, even my own story. I used to think, you know, for the longest time until I got sober, I I always thought it was that the things that made me feel good were the things that I got. You know, mm-hmm. I needed to get from people. I needed to get from things. I needed to get from my, my job. I needed to, I needed to get, 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 you know, it was all about me. Uh, but when I started to give and just give away things and simple text to people or, you know, whether they responded or not, I mean, that is what feed my, that's what fed my soul. I found. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's cool. You mentioned that. I want to, I want to go ahead and switch gears since you sure. mentioned, um, Pep and, um, the road to awesome family. Um, so you're going to be an author with, with, with the road to awesome family. Um, share a little bit about kind of the, I know you guys haven't come up with a, a title yet. You're, you're, you're almost there, but share about the, the premise of your book and, and, and the message behind it and, and who you're trying to reach. Yeah. So we're trying to reach, you know, just educators, leaders of schools. It doesn't have to be, we're Eric and I, we're from a small school area, right. And I grew up in small schools and, you know, and I just, like I said before, I got, I got this job, you know, pat on the back. Hey, good job. You got the job. How do you do the job? Right. And so we're hoping to reach those guys that, you know, even if they've been there, done that, maybe it'll, maybe it'll resonate something. I'm like, Hey man, I'm going through this too. How did you guys do it? Um, Just that kind of thing, you know, and small schools, we kind of do it a little different too. You know, Kip, we, you know, like I said earlier, man, we, when you say that's not my job, that's not in a small school's vocabulary at all. But like, right. I know Eric will test this when he talks, but I've been the janitor. I've had to go down and, and flush toilets and, and, and I've been the head cook and I've been a bus driver. I had to go, I had to get, you know, try it. Well, I haven't got it yet. I'm in the process of getting my, uh, my bus driver's thing, but driving the minibus and, yeah. um, you know, teaching grades and being an EA or a, whatever it, groundskeeper right and and that's the mantra you know like hey we're all in this together and you know when we're at small schools i mean you kind of adapt people understand that that way of thinking to where you know our custodian um you know she had her she had her mom get really sick and so she had to miss a couple weeks you know and so what do we do we, and this is during school our school needs to be clean what do we do we can't find a sub uh, no one wants to do that job. So we all pitch in. I mean, literally, we all pitch in. And I have 50 employees and every one of them pitched in. So, um, awesome. you know, when the bell rings, you know, we're, we're there standing. And so that's kind of what we want to get to. 
you know, how we operate and hopefully it resonates. I mean, I think I read a stat the other day, 83% of the schools in America are, are rural schools under 800 kids. Really? You know, really? so not rural, but small schools. Yeah. yeah. So um, I mean, that makes sense. Cause we're under, I mean, we're about that. Um, so, but one thing, one thing you touched on in the, in that is, and I know that, <clears throat> that, you know, it's not my job is not in your vocabulary as a, as a rural district. And I know you share with me what 275, is that where you're at? Big 275, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Casey's, Casey's district has 275 kids from kindergarten to 12th grade and like 21 certified I think that's what you're sharing with staff members. And so it's, I mean, it's really small. And I thought my, my place was small. And so besides that, just, you know, everybody's pitching in and, and you do whatever it takes. And, and it's not my job is not in the vocabulary. What, what else could you share with our listeners that might be something that's unique to, to rural schools and small schools like yours that these educators listening in these, these huge, you know, suburban and urban school districts maybe don't face? Well, I would say, well, first, let me tell you what the coolest thing is, right? The coolest thing that I've ever seen in in my life, as far as school districts go, is my first pep assembly at a small, this small of a school. You know, usually you go to, you go to, I imagine Kip, your high, your, your pep assemblies are with nine through 12, 11, 12, whatever. It's a high school usually, right? Yeah. Our pep assemblies are pre-K through 12. (laughs) I'm not, this, I am not exaggerating this. The kindergartners, not so much preschoolers, but the kindergartners, first grade and second grade, (coughs) they're, they're, they already know all the cheers, man. I mean, they know every cheer. They're the loudest. And we kind of, we poke fun of like the, you know, cause we have usually like classes of 20 is what we have yeah. in high school, I think around 20. So, uh, but it's just crazy. So we're just grooming these kids to be you know that excited when they get up into high school and, and that's, yeah. And that's yeah. what, that's what I try. I've, we've tried to build at, at our school is, and you know, this as a coach, man, and I, and I preach this, I preach this to all of our coaches. You're only as good as what's coming up. You don't have numbers. You don't have, you better, if you don't have some club teams going on, you better get some because the other school down the district has them. So you're only as good as what's coming up. And that's how we preach it. Uh, that's why our, why our enrollment's gone up. When I first started 130 kids, now we're at 275. I mean, get our preschool going, man. Let's get, let's get those numbers up. And then it just trickles in. But um, that would probably be the coolest. And I would say probably, unique we talked about this is all of our bus rides uh we have kids that we have to pick up an hour away just to come to school so um but one of our athletic rides you know sports trips uh they're minimum two hours uh what's what's, what's the furthest one you get you have yeah so so we go so we're if you have a map and you're looking at oregon man central oregon bend oregon and then you got Boise, Idaho, and they're almost, they're kind of almost in a line. We're right in the middle in Oregon. We're right. You put, put the dot in the middle. We go to jo- we go to Joseph, Oregon. That's about four and a half hours away. And so that's Northeastern Oregon. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, usually we get a hotel, um, 
you know, and we do that kind of thing. But we go, we go play, you know, we always try to make it special for our, our kids that are going on these trips, whether it be, we're a huge FFA school, ag school. But when we go to trips, you know, we usually, West Side is four and a half, five hours away. Coast is seven hours away by bus. I mean, like, I mean, you got to plan ahead. And so, yeah. you know, so that's probably the most unique is the bus rides. And, uh, and even more challenging is we are a no cell phone school. So you, you're not allowed to have your cell phones out during school. I love um, it. Yeah. And, and love it. it's a hard one to, cause you got to get the teachers to buy into that as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I've had a lot of talks last year was, and we've been that way for about three years now. So. That's really cool though. That yeah. is unique. You know, and it just makes me think when you sh share about that, number one, especially as a superintendent and high school principal too, but you know, if you were in a much larger district, I mean, like the ones I came from in Tulsa, the senior class alone had a thousand kids in it, you know? And so there's no way that you're going to know every kid by name and a little bit about them at least. You know, but in your situation, you probably get to know every kid and you know a lot about them. So just those connections probably can become so much deeper and you really get that that family feel. Like you said, you're building that culture of the, the kindergartners and the first graders and the second graders know all the chants and the, and the songs and the cheers and they're louder than everybody else. And so you're building that culture and just that's that to me would be a really cool thing about being in a small rural district, just that family atmosphere and you just you get a you you just by nature have to have deep meaningful relationships and connections with people That's yeah i well i just i just hired a elementary principal last year so before that it was just me and i was the principal of grade school, all of, high school of all of it so yeah. it got it got to be to where i was i was spending too much at work time at work and enough family time so we had to fix that but uh yeah i make you make it a point when you're at a small school, especially, you know, when I have meetings and, you know, or something, I'll, I'll say, Hey, I, what's the mom and dad's name? So I can, Hey, you know, and yeah. introduce myself and, you know, but it's, it's weird. Cause like you said, small school, even, even though we're small school, we're at the grocery store. Right. Right. And right. I haven't met, I'm, I'm in the high school now. I mean, I'm at the high school principal and superintendent now. So I don't go down and I, I visit the grade school a lot, but not as much as I used to. Yeah, I still, know, I still know all the kids, right? So I'm at a, yeah. I'm at the grocery store. Little kid comes running up, gives me a hug. Hey, Mister Hogarth. Yeah, gives me a hug. The parents are looking at me like, "Who are you, stranger?" Who is that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, I did. Hey, I'm I'm Mister Hogarth. Yeah, my wife. We were at Walmart today, and I don't. I think I ran into, I don't know how many, four or five different kids, and of course she she's like everywhere we go because I mean Woodland Park's an eight thousand. You know, we're, we have 8,000 in the community, you know, and our, our school district has about 1,000. High school has about uh, 500, but um, everywhere we go, we I run into the kids and, hey, Mr. Shoe, hey, Coach Shoe, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And she thinks she thinks it's cool, but um, that's that's a neat thing about being in a, in a small community. Um, and, that, and, and that resonates, man. I mean, that means those kids, you touch those kids to where – they respect you. They love you. They want to come up and say hi to you. They don't have to. You know what I mean? They don't have to say yeah. anything. They do, though, because they, they love and respect you. So that's, that's awesome. Right. 
And um, b before we get off, Casey, I want to um, again remind everybody that uh, Casey is is writing a book with his friend Eric. And um, is Eric a principal in, or is he superintendent? Just principal. No, he, yeah, he's a principal at Crane uh, Crane High School. Okay, and close to you, correct? Hour hour and a half, right? <laughs> Which is close. <laughs> um, yeah, super close. Yeah, but they're they're writing a book, small schools, big mm -hmm. ideas, kind of the premise, and it's going to be with the the Road to Awesome uh, family um, coming out here probably maybe next year or so probably. But we're looking yep. at and um, so we'll look look for that and and uh, Casey, I will will pub that for you on social media when it when it gets to that time. So I hope people are looking for that. And I just want to number one, um, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing the story about your mom and. And, and growing up that way and going through that and and then about Mr. Heron and the difference that he made uh, in your life and man um, just continue to share that that story and expand on it and it's going to make a difference for people and um, I think the one thing that stuck with me through it I wrote down was I can I will I must I love that um, and I think our our profession is the most amazing profession in the world because we have that power to to touch people and change lives like no other and so i just number one thank you for being here uh, for taking the time to be on the show and um we want to go ahead and leave a, a parting word for our listeners from the right. from the small district of prairie city oregon that's right home of the panthers heck yeah that's right yeah, well, first off, Kip, thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. This is, yeah, Pan go Panthers, man. Um, thanks for having me on. If, if people are listening to this podcast, you got to read his book. I read it. it. It's inspiring. It's inspired me. I, that's why I bought it for, our, for my whole staff. Uh, and I already have some of uh, my staff just can't wait to read it. So um, I appreciate you being vulnerable, sharing your story. And um, I, I really don't think you know how much uh, that I connected with that book, man. I mean, it, it really hit home. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And and let's stay connected and and um, keep working together because we're better together. And uh, yeah. we'll change the world one connection at a time. So again, Casey, um, thank you for being with me tonight. And um, guys, we will see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. Hey, we appreciate you listening to our podcast. Let's connect and impact lives together. Leave me a comment on this episode or find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube at The Secret Sauce with Kip Schubert. We would be honored if you would share this episode on your social media. Continue to share your story. It matters. Reach back over that mountain. Every educator, every student needs to feel loved, heard, and valued. So dish out that secret sauce and be that Sherpa to guide others to the summit. Till next time, let's stay all in and all together.